In recent days, my mind has been turned a lot in my thoughts concerning heaven. I probably get as many questions, believe it or not, about heaven as I do anything else. And uh, you'd think that people, uh, you know, when we've been saved a few years, that even though we know eye hath not seen and ear hath not heard, neither hath it entered the heart of man the things that God hath prepared for them that love him. And we know that we don't know all that is there, but still there's a lot of questions that just, maybe they're a little different in nature but we still have them. We're not questioning God. We're just wondering, is there anything in the Bible that deals with that? Today, let's look at just a few verses and then I wanna tell you, I'm looking at heaven in a little different perspective and I hope, that, uh, I hope that you'll give me some leadway on this today and that you'll use your imagination with me, spiritual imagination, as we wander into some areas that maybe you've never thought about before but I think that it'll be a blessing to us as we study his word together. In 2 Corinthians chapter five, 2 Corinthians chapter five and verse one. For we know, we could stop right there. If it's something that we can know, we want to grasp it. So he said, for we know that if our earthly, ha if earthly house of this tabernacle were dissolved, we have a building of God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For in this we groan, earnestly desiring to be clothed upon with our house which is from heaven. If so be that being clothed we shall not be found naked. For we that are in this tabernacle do groan, being burdened, not for that, not for that we would be unclothed, but clothed upon, that mortality might be swallowed up of life. Now he that wrought us for the selfsame thing is God, who also hath given unto us the earnest of the Spirit. My mind has been turned in recent days uh, a lot toward heaven and the thoughts of heaven and the questions that are there. You know, it's amazing. I, I, I never cease to be amazed at the ideas that even people that are not Christians, what they come up with in their mind about a heaven. Have you ever wondered about other religions, what they teach about heaven? We, we hear talk about heaven, songs about heaven, testimonies about heaven. One of the most prominent religions in all of the world now, this is their view of the heavens. They believe that the universe is comprised of seven heavens and seven earths and seven seas. And in these seven heavens and seven earths and seven seas, uh, they are each inhabited and ruled over by different beings on the seven heavens and seven earths and seven seas. They believe that it is the abiding place in these seven earths, and seven heavens and seven seas. It's the abiding place uh, for angels and archangels. They believe in both. They also believe it's the invasion ground of other spirits that try to come in to these seven heavens and seven earths and seven seas. Boy, I'd already be lost on that. It's all I can get along trying to imagine one heaven and one earth, but now they've got seven. Uh, they believe in something that's called jinn. 
which is the word we get the word genie from. They're not human. Uh, they're, they're, they're not humans that become spiritual bodies. Uh, they, they are not angels. Uh, they can be, there's three types of them. Uh, and they, they believe that some, you know, are good, some are evil. And most though are comprised of a force to fight against the religion that they had. And they said that these seven gins, when Jesus, they acknowledged that Jesus was born. When, when Jesus was born, they believed that three of the seven heavens, the jinn were no longer allowed to enter into. So the genies disappeared. Then when their leader was born, four of the other heavens were locked out to the jinns. But yet the, the jinns, they tried to set on the boundary of these seven heavens and they attack it. And in fact, they say you can tell when there's an attack because uh, if, if the angels and archangels and the rulers over the seven heavens, seven earths and seven seas, they know they can't come in, the gins, but they try to get on the boundary to eavesdrop. And if they catch them trying to listen in on their conversation, uh, if you ever see a meteor, it is the good of their religion hurling fiery darts at the jinn to drive them away from the boundary so they can't hear the conversation of what's going on. That's the Islam religion. Hmm. In is something, uh, children in Christianity's got a better concept of heaven than that. They asked a group of kids one day, they said, what is heaven? One spoke up and said, heaven will be the happiest part of my dead life. <laughs> That's right, isn't it? They asked another one, said, what is heaven and how do you get there? And the answer was, heaven is a place where you'll get everything you want, but if you want everything, you may not get there. <laughs> Pretty good answer too, isn't it? There is a heaven. If there isn't a heaven, I might as well close this book up and we might as well shut this church down. Our only objective here today, I mean, we're here to worship, we're here to praise, but the end result of all of it, this building is built, the gospel is preached, missionaries are sent out, all the things that are done all around the world and in this church, it has one purpose, that is to take lost men, women, boys and girls and tell them that there is a heaven and that you can go and that whosoever will, they can come and be saved. Now usually when we talk about heaven, you're probably like me. I think maybe in terms of the negative, the things that won't be there, the negative things here. You know, no more death, no more crying. We sing about it today. No more sorrow. That's great. I'm not saying that anything's wrong with that. I'm just saying that's the, that's the depth of our thought of heaven. The things that's not there. No more night. No more sickness, no more pain, no more curse, no more Satan. Amen. <laughs> oh, those are wonderful thoughts. But my mind has been turned in a different direction while reading this passage again in recent days that I read to you today. And the thing is, is there anything in heaven that we had on earth that we will keep in heaven? In other words, what on earth will be in heaven? 
That's the message. What on earth will be in heaven? And there's several things that cross my mind. One thing is, there's some things that they're going to continue even though, even though that we are no longer here on this earth, when we get to be with the Lord, it'll still continue. One thing that will continue is our life. See, some people think that the end is death. I hear people say all the time, they're nearing the end, not if you're saved. You're nearing the beginning. In fact, uh, what we have here is, is, you know, structured out in time and we have so much time and we redeem the days, redeem the time. But when we get there, we'll no longer be bound by that. So our life will be there. We said in the text that I read to you today, that mortality is swallowed up in life. That's what he said. Mortality is swallowed up. We look at it as though death is swallowed up. Life, but in reality, for a Christian, when we die, life is swallowing up death. Because death becomes a doorway, a transition, where the, we don't cease to be. But we not only have life, and our life continues, but our life continues better than it was here. But still things continue. We continue, for example, now some of you may disagree with this, but I'm not going to be an overcomer. I'm already an overcomer and will continue to be an overcomer when I get to heaven. That doesn't go over well because we love to be restrained by the problems of this life. And I get so tired of people letting their lip drag down on the ground and act like this is horrible. Do you know who you are today? You are a child of the king. And the Lord has all authority and all power. And he's made us more than conquerors through Jesus Christ our Lord. We're not defeated. Hallelujah. We're on our way to a better place and we're conquerors here. And according to Revelation, we're conquerors there. He that overcometh shall not be hurt by the second death. We'll overcome the second death. We'll overcome the devil. We'll overcome the problems. We'll overcome the trials. We are over overcomers and then also our life in regards to our personal identity you may have a new name but you are still you with all the bad qualities gone the things that you don't like about you you won't have to worry about that in heaven but you're still you where do you get that? Well, <laughs> there's several places. Job is believed to be the oldest book in the Bible. If you read Job, when you get to the 19th chapter of Job, Job said there's coming a time when the skin worms will devour this flesh, yet with mine eyes I shall see him. And he says, with my flesh I shall behold him. You know what he's saying? My identity. I will see him face to face. I don't lose my identity, I retain that. Well, how do you know that? Jesus in Luke chapter nine. You remember in Luke chapter nine when Jesus went up to the Mount of, of uh, Transfiguration, he's there with his disciples and the disciples are with him and they fall asleep. And here they are asleep. They're about to miss the best part. 
And here they are asleep. And when they awaken, they look and they see him talking to two individuals and they see him clothed in his glory. He's transfigured before their eyes. Peter immediately says, Lord, this is good for us to be here. Let us build three tabernacles, one for you, one for Moses, one for Elias, which Elias is the Greek word for Elijah. So one for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. Now let me ask you something. Who told him that was Moses and Elijah? There was no introduction, they were asleep. When they awakened, they saw them with Jesus, but they knew who they were. No introduction. Now, we, we have to have introductions down here, but we won't need introductions there. We'll retain our identity. And then too, I believe also, we'll retain our service to the Lord. We have a life of service here, and we're gonna have service there. The Bible says in Revelation 22, three, and there shall be no more curse, but the throne of God and of the Lamb shall be in it, and his servants shall serve him. My, can't wait to hand a biscuit to Jesus. He has served me my whole life. And we try to serve him down here, but we always fall short. We can never do enough. We can never say enough. We can never be enough. But then in that place to finally be able to see him face to face and to serve him. We strive to have a servant's heart. God blesses us for having a servant's heart. God blesses us for reaching out to others. We try to serve others every way we can. We can't do it all, all of the time, but we do as much as we possibly can to serve others. That's our goal, that's our mission in life, but that's also our training ground because as we serve others, then we are also serving him. We're preparing. I always think of my dear friend Roger Duncan when I get to this point of serving others. I don't know, Roger's been with the Lord some time now. I was privileged to be, uh, be part of his funeral, uh, to preach at his funeral. What a blessing. Right in the middle of COVID and things opened up that I was able to go down. We had the sweetest service. But Roger had a servant's heart. Lord willing, his nephew that took over the church that he pastored, that pastored there now, he'll be preaching for us on Wednesday night. I'm telling you, you don't want to miss Wednesday night. He is a preacher. Will is a preacher. And uh, Roger had a servant's heart. He was always helping others. First time that uh, I was down, Candy was there with me in the first meeting. The second meeting, I was by myself. Roger woke me up at five in the morning. He said, a semi-wrecked on I-4. And he said, get up, get up, get up. And I said, why? He said, it was a bread truck. And there's rolls and loaves of bread all over the highway. And they said, if we get there, we can get them. He said, we'll fill up the pantry at church. That's what we did. We went and picked up, I'm the guest evangelist. Five in the morning, picking up boxes of donuts and loaves of bread on Interstate 4. We got them all put away in the, in the freezer, got everything taken care of, and you'd have thought you'd give him in. I, he, he just had a servant's heart. He was sitting by me one time on the front, and, and I, I coughed. 
and Roger handed me a cough drop and I put it in my mouth and it melted instantly. Do you know Hall's cough drop's not supposed to melt instantly in your mouth? And I said, Roger, where did you get that? He said, oh, I'm sorry, he handed me a second one. He said, you gotta take two. He said, we got them out of the dumpster this week at uh, the drugstore and he said they're expired, but if you take two, they work. That was Roger. Am I exaggerating? You'd have to be with him. Uh, as long, just until the last few years of his life, he drove an old van for the church and went to a home and picked up people that uh, were, were challenged physically and mentally. And he picked them up. The pastor of a big church, Christian school with hundreds of students, he'd still go pick them up. And they'd cry when they'd see him come. He's that kind of guy. He had one of those individuals, one time they, they'd pick them up and somebody come to him and said, Roger, we got, a, we got a gathering and we'd like you to come, but uh, we don't know how to tell you this. We want you to come uh, to our birthday party, but we don't want you to bring them with you. Roger said, I got in that van, I drove down the road and I pulled in I took them into the convenient mart and said, get anything you want, pop, milk, chips, cakes, anything you want. We're gonna have our own party. <laughs> and he did. But probably one of the sweetest things, I'm not boring you, am I? Good. One of the sweetest things ever, he had a Haitian that they had called him and said there's a Haitian and his wife and family that they're living in a little government apartment. And his name is Molin, and Molin doesn't have any arms. Uh, I think finally they, they got, uh, uh, instead of artificial arms, it's just metal with hooks. And so I got close to Molin because we do a lot of work in Haiti and, and he, needed a place, he was, he was winning all these Haitians to the Lord, and Roger said, use our building, just come on Sunday afternoon, and we have buildings all over, the, pick, pick which one you want, and, and come in and we'll help you, we'll fund it. And they started a group to Haitians, they have a group to Koreans, uh, they just have a group uh, to different nationalities of people that they don't know English yet, so they meet and have their worship services. They did that all the time under Roger. And uh, Molin, uh, they, when Roger went to the house, they had no furniture in the house. And Roger told his people, see, his church reminds me a lot of our church. They have a heart of love. He told his people about Molin. He said, they don't have a stick of furniture in that house. And he said, man, they came out of everywhere. They're buying new mattresses and bringing in furniture. And Molin called him up and said, pastor, pastor. He said, I love you, but no more furniture. No more furniture. We have no room. And uh, Molin got sick. He got ulcers. And he couldn't eat hardly anything. And uh, he had a doctor's appointment and didn't have any way to get to the doctor's appointment. Roger said, I'll take you to the doctor. So he went to get Molin, took him to the doctor. And after that uh, they finished, Molin told him, he said, I'm hungry. I have to eat, I can't eat very much, but I have to eat often. I have to eat often. Roger said, 
we'll stop and get you something. So they went through a drive-thru and he asked Moline what he could have, you know, and just things that wouldn't upset his stomach. And uh, he, at that time, he didn't have any hooks. Roger pulled through and while they're standing, while they're in that line waiting, it dawns on Roger. I'm gonna have to feed him. He doesn't have any arms. I'm gonna have to feed him. And he said, uh, now bear in mind, I, Roger in his early 40s was diagnosed with Parkinson's. Kept preaching the way he did till the later 60s with several leukemia, Parkinson's. He had a number of health issues. He just kept going. And he said when they filled the order, he pulled under a shade tree. And he said, Molin is there. And he said, Molin, I shake bad, but I'll do the best I can to feed you. Roger said, I'd gotten this little thing of like ice cream for him. And he said, I, I took that spoon of that and said, I put it up to his mouth and he swallowed that and he said, that is so good. Thank you, pastor. And Roger said, all of a sudden the Holy Ghost hit him. And he said, I got blessed beyond measure. And he said, he got a call. And he thought, maybe if I take that call, I can get my composure. And when he answered the call, it was, I think it was his wife or one of the staff from the church. They said, what are you doing? He said, I'm feeding Jesus. <laughs> because he loved the Lord. I'm telling you, may this church never lose its servant's heart because that's a practice ground because one day we will get to feed Jesus. We'll be in his presence at the marriage supper of the Lamb and we can tell the angels, take a break. We're the ministering spirits today and we have come to serve our Lord. Our Lord is with us in this life and on this earth. The earth and the fullness is the Lord's. And by the way, he'll still be in heaven. Not only will he be in heaven, but John makes it, be, uh, makes it plain, beloved, now we are the sons of God and doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that we shall be like him. The Lord is here and the Lord is there. Here's something else. Our learning continues in heaven. Well, what do you mean by our learning? You do love to learn things, don't you, from the word of God and you love to find new things in the, in the Bible. You love to, love to have new things exposed to you. Oh, this week God gave me, he didn't give me a nugget, he gave me a gold mine. I don't know if I'll ever get to preach it. I don't know if I'm qualified enough to preach it, but it blessed me. It was for me. I never want to stop learning. Someone said the other day, said, why do you know about different things? Because God made different things. And I set out every day of my life, Lord, let me learn something. Learn from you, learn from your word, learn from others but I wanna learn something. 
I would hate to be in this, you know, all these years of preaching, and I would hate to be today right where I started. Never learned anything in scripture. But we learn, that's what he teaches us. He teaches our, our learning. We're gonna learn about the grace of God. Ephesians 2, 7 says that in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. That's in the ages to come. That's when we get to heaven. We don't understand grace now. We'll understand it then. And then also, we wanna keep learning the word of God. I mentioned about the Mount of Transfiguration. The Bible says that when he talked with the two men, Moses and Elias, who appeared in glory, they spake of his decease, which he should accomplish at Jerusalem. So here's Moses and Elijah that have already gone on and they're learning about how Jesus is going to die. Have you ever thought about that? I mean, have you ever thought about it? The people, the Old Testament saints, they didn't know anything. We've got the gospel. They didn't know the gospel. The gospel was concealed in the Old Testament. They were doing all of these things that would eventually reveal Jesus, but they had not seen Jesus. They had not heard the gospel. They were operating under the law. They were operating by faith, but yet they didn't know of the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, yet they followed God. Don't you think Moses and Elijah were eager to hear Jesus tell them all? Oh, so that's what you're doing. I have a, a, a book, I haven't read it for years, but the first time I ever read it made such an impact on my life. There was a lady that for about nine or 10 days, if I remember correctly, uh, she, she was virtually in a state of death from all physical appearance. In fact, they had told the family she could not survive, but yet she was like that for nine or 10 days. But through that nine or 10 days, she had, you can call it a vision, you can call it an experience, but she saw things in the glories. I know she saw things in the glories because the things that she revealed we're not smart enough to think of. And she saw these things and was experiencing all of these things. Someone one time told me, said, you ought not preach things like that. That's not Bible. Really? What Bible are you reading? Paul said, I knew a man in Christ above 14 years ago, whether in the body or out of the body, I cannot tell, God knoweth such an one caught up into the third heaven. And he said, and I heard things which are not lawful for a man to utter. It took him 14 years to tell about what he saw in glory. And the only thing he could say after 14 years is I can't tell you. We don't have words to describe it. But he said, I saw it, I experienced it. She was the same. She said, among other things, one of the things I thought of that learning, she said, it's like an angel was guiding her through heaven. And as the angel was guiding her through heaven, said, there was an area set aside and there was an angel that was there with children 
all around the angel, gathered around, listening so intently. And she said, I, I asked the angel, what is that? And the angel said, that's children that died before the age of accountability. Amen. The angel's teaching them about Jesus. I think I've just shouted out the rest of the time. The things that I don't know about, that I don't understand, that I ask God why God will sin. Maybe it'll be a patriarch, maybe it'll be himself, maybe it'll be an angel, and he'll say, Cal, you've always wondered about that. You've wondered about why that happened. You've wondered about the things that have gone on. Let me tell you why. But you know the big thing? It's not gonna matter then. The only thing that's gonna matter is that we have made it, but we're gonna learn about the things that we don't know about here. We'll learn about out of there. I'll try one more. Our love. See, our life will not only continue and our Lord, he's with us in earth, he'll be in heaven. Our learning here on earth will continue to learn in heaven. But our love here on earth, it'll continue in heaven. Well, how do you figure that? Well, for one thing, the Song of Solomon, and don't even get me started on that. You all know how I love to preach out of the Song of Solomon, but out of the Song of Solomon in the eighth chapter, if you read closely, you'll find out that love is as strong as death. You ought to write that statement down. Love is as strong as death. Do you know what he's saying? Death doesn't stop our love. Now for those of us that have loved ones that have gone on, and it would, be, it would be wrong of me to stand here and act like I know what you feel if your spouse has already gone to be with the Lord and you're still here, that's wrong on my part. But I will say this much, I listen to enough people and watch enough people that just because a child has gone on, a spouse has gone on, a parent has gone on, I've had siblings go on, my parents, my grandparents, they're with the Lord but you don't think I stop loving them because they're not here. Well, you surely don't think that they stopped loving us because they're there. No, the love goes on. That's why he said that love is as strong as death. Death doesn't conquer love. Love conquers death. That's why God is love. Jesus commended his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. We are dead in our sins and transgressions, but he loved us so much that he knew through the power of the blood and the power of the resurrection, we could have life in him. There's also the love for our family. It goes on. In the reverse of this of what I'm preaching, think about the rich man in hell. He said, would you send them to warn my five brethren lest they also come to this place? Do you know what he was saying? Send somebody, tell them, don't go the same direction I went. 
for he was in hell. Why would he do that? He didn't lose love. Now, I think that loved ones that's with the Lord, they're saying, Lord, send the message. Send the message. I know there's love there because there's rejoicing in the presence of the angels when a sinner repents. The love for souls. I don't think we see the wrong. I don't think we see the heartache. I don't think we see the problem, but I do believe that we get to rejoice. If I go before you and you're lost, I believe the Lord will gather in family that's there. And I believe he'll call your old preacher there if I get there before you and say, I got good news today. A new name's gonna be written down in glory. And if you think just the angels are gonna shout about it, you're wrong. We rejoice that our loved ones are following us. They're coming. They're coming behind us. The purpose of all of this today is one thing. For you to know that you're going to heaven. My invitation is simple. David put it this way. He prayed, he fasted, and his boy died. They're talking, murmuring. The boy has died. How are we gonna tell the king? Look at how he's acted while the boy was alive and dying. I don't wanna tell him, you tell him, I don't wanna tell him. David knew what was wrong. David said to them, bring me water, bring me food. He washed his face. And they said, King, we don't understand while the boy was alive. You fasted, you prayed, you wept. Now you wash your face and you ask for food. And David said, I cannot bring him back. In essence, this is what he said. I cannot bring him back, but I can go to him. Now I'm gone because the Lord's there. But thank God I'm gone because I got a lot of loved ones there too. <laughs> 